0: Hi,
1: I'm John Roberts. I'm
0: Jess Fishlock. This is Owen Taylor Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams.
1: This is Tash Harden. And you are, are listening Harden to, Harden to Harden Harden of the Colman
0: Harder Dream Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest Colman a Dream Podcast. I am here with Ruth. How are you, Ruth?
1: Oh, all right, doing all right. You?
0: I am good, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to this. There's a lot of uh, a lot of football for us to talk about uh, in the next. Uh, there is. It's in the next hour or so. It's
1: it's been a busy few weeks, and there's more to come, which is great.
0: Exactly. I mean, I, I'm obviously tempted to start with uh, with Newcastle's pummeling of Newport <laughs> in the in the League Cup, but uh, I think we'll save that embarrassment for another day. Uh, as as Steve Bruce's Magpies are flying high, anyway. Um, and we
1: and we we know which side you're talking about as regards the embarrassment, don't we? Oh, no question there.
0: <laughs> I think John Drew Shelby only tried for three minutes, and uh, and one of them was when he was taking his penalty. Bless him. So, yeah, very lucky for Newcastle. And uh, I'm uh, I, I feel for Newport. I really do because they were the much better team. But. Uh, it is what it is. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna complain that uh, that my team are in the quarterfinal of a cup and currently sixth in the league, which is ironic considering we are dreadful at football. But anyway, I uh, I digress. Before we've even started, um, we are here to talk about the Wales squad and of course the upcoming games: the friendly against England and then the two nation leagues league games. Sorry, against Ireland, Republic of Ireland, and Bulgaria. First of all, Ruth, uh, let's get the basic stuff out of the way. I think it's safe to say we're disappointed that Dodge isn't in the squad.
1: Yes, it it seems a, a strange setup. up um, You'd have thought with with three internationals coming up, if there was ever a point that you could kind of bulge the numbers in the squad a little bit more, it would be now. I noticed England had called up 30, for example. Um, and I, I, I just feel for the lad, I think... That he well he can't do anymore. So at, at this point, I think he's just he's just got to get his head down and, and enjoy his 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 play at, at Hibs and uh, and unfortunately, it looks like any opportunity he might have had has passed. Uh, it, it just seems to me.
0: Uh, I mean, that's my first question. Really, is do you think that for him and and possibly Vokes as, as centre forwards, as, as Vokes has missed out as well? Do you think that is, barring injury, obviously, their kind of race run in regards to the Euros?
1: I think it might be. I, th- I certainly think for Deuge because I think you'd have, you'd have, you'd want to look at him, and this seems the obvious opportunity with with three internationals so close together. Um, Vokes. I, th- I think there may be a point where his experience might be useful, um, if particularly if you have some some bad injuries. So perhaps not for Sam, but I I do f- feel for Christian Deutsch. I think it's it's very difficult to look at what else, um, what other, what else he could have done to make a good case for being called up.
0: I mean, I guess at this point you'd have to argue that Giggs just doesn't fancy and Maybe thinks the the Scottish League isn't a high enough standard. Um, and I guess that maybe he's happy with what he's got as the, what's looking like the likely three to go of Hal, Tyler Roberts, who I will argue all day is the striker, and uh, and Kiefer more.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what it looks like, and um, and if you don't want to adjust that at all uh, within a twenty-seven man squad, uh, then uh, yeah, I think time has time is gone sadly.
0: I'm going to have to agree with you there. Um, one thing that you mentioned uh, when the squad came out was that we kind of look a little bit light at centre back. Obviously, we've not got James Chester. It looks like, considering the numbers anyway, that Ampadu is going to play as a centre half rather than centre midfielder. Um, why do you think he's gone that way? Especially when he hasn't picked uh, Ash, who I know hasn't got a club. But you know, uh, James Lawrence has just gone to Saint Pauli um it was, I don't want to say mystifying, but I, I was a, a little bit surprised, the lack of numbers at centre-back.
1: It's not, not so much numbers, I was thinking, as experience, really. Um, I can see why Rhys Norrington-Davies is an interesting option. He, clearly, he's been playing well. Um, and he, hes he tends to be a left-back, but you can actually play right across a back four or five. So I think his... His versatility, Nico's ability to play um, both right and left back if he had to. Um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if somewhere in this mix we see Davies playing as a as a centre half. Ben Davies just because of the way the numbers have worked out. Um, Without Tom Lockyer though, um, who does seem to have an ankle injury, although it hasn't had much coverage, um, and James Lawrence only just, literally just transferring. Back on loan to St. Powerley. Um I think you reach a point where do you want to go down the James Chester route? And I, th- I think Giggs is is kind of making it clear that he's he's just not interested. Really, um, he's got he's got these youngsters he wants to blood, and I can see the purpose in you know getting Cabango in again and giving him obviously more than the whatever one or two minutes. He had at the end of the at the end of the game in the last uh, the last window. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Ethan ends up playing a mix of roles across the three games. Yeah, I think um, that's fair. you know, centre centre half in one, defensive mid in another. Um, so I this I think if you look at Giggs's sort of modus operandi, which is not to stick with the Ashleys of the world, not to use Sam Vokes of the world. I can understand on that basis why he hasn't brought James Chester in. I think it's got Chris Gunter's inclusion is is interesting. I wonder if he's there as much because of the lack of experience elsewhere across the players that he's chosen that you know you can take 27 in the squad you might as well have Chris there but that's a bit surprising all things considered.
0: I do wonder if perhaps he's kind of looking at Gunter in that sense as uh, as someone who can play centre back because he has played there before for Wales or on the right hand side of a three and there's not that I would do it potentially but England play a three at the back so I wonder if there's a potential that we would match them uh, in that friendly game and i mean you've done a, a great blog recently about gigs the Schema, where he's kind of putting people in the shop window and and it has worked levitt's got his move um, there's a few others that you mentioned who it's kind of worked out for them so i don't know whether whether you know uh, man- managers and coaches are reading your blogs ruth but uh, you're you're obviously very influential um, as, <laughs> as 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 a full-time blogger these days you know so um, so yeah, I, I do wonder if that's if that's part of it. He might be able to cover at centre back, and in, in, in I, a hope they will get him in I, the shop window as well.
1: I, I think is the versatility of several of the players um, becomes an asset. I mean, there's, a, there's, you know, Ethan, you can move around. Nico, you can move around. Norrington Davies, Gunter, and Davies, you can move. You can move all of them to different positions. I think that does become um, an asset. It wouldn't surprise me if if Giggs's is thinking is um, regarding regarding Guntz is yeah let's let's try and get him ninety minutes in here somewhere see if someone will bite. Um, I think he's still got he's clearly still got something to offer oh, to a so, to a football yeah. um, a football club. And um, the if I remember rightly the EFL window closes a couple of days after. Um, after our game with Bulgaria. So, you know, at that point, if there's a club that have an injury worry or a transfer that they were looking at hasn't gone through, or they're just holding fire and want to take a free agent after the window, then if, if Guns has had, you know, a good game or a good game and a half somewhere in this mix, then obviously that's a, that's going to be nothing but help.
0: Yeah, I think there's a, there's a, there's a definite chance of that. Um, I think... I'm surprised by the lack of centre-backs in the sense that we've got three games in a, in a short spill, uh, especially when you look, mm-hmm. Rodden has, has been injured recently. He's obviously on his way back from that. Um, I guess I like the idea that we have some versatile players, but equally, I also feel like it, a versatile player is as much... a a gift has occur sometimes because you, it's difficult to know where to play them to get the best out of them. I think Norrington Davis has been brought in as left-back cover because, you know, we mentioned this is the last pod we haven't actually had a left-back cover in the last squad. It was Ben Davis was pretty much the only left-back in the squad. So um, I, I do think that's why Norrington Davis has come in since he's moved to Luton and he has been playing at left-back for Luton since he's uh, since he's gone there. So that's an interesting one. Um I do wonder how I,
1: do, I am. I I, I. I. think you're right in the sense that really the only true centre halves we've got there are, are Rodden and Cabango. Other people are you know have the ability to cover there, but that's not their natural position. Yeah, I, I would say Mepham and, Mepham, to be fair. sorry, did I not? I, no, I was oh, Yes, yes. Was right. yeah, I didn't. List, so, sorry, I miss. I miss. I missed mentioning Mepham, Yeah. So um, I think. That I think is the concern that you've got three hard games and you've only got three centre backs, and you just you can't um, you can't pretend that that's not a concern in the sense of just how we're going to juggle these numbers. The blessing is we've got a lot of other versatile players who can probably provide some coverage, but it's not ideal.
0: The only thing I will say is, as kind of devil's advocate, is we've often questioned Giggs's. Uh, selections and choices and every time we seem to do that we always end up with a successful window whether that's a a squad selection or a team selection so uh, the only thing I will say is is that I do think we're I feel anyway personally after the amount of stick I've given him in the first instance that he has kind of deserved the opportunity to make this mistake if that's what it turns out to be. Um, I, I think equally he's deserved the opportunity to make that decision for us to say do you know what mate? You you seem to know what you're doing. I think we'll have to just see what comes out in the wash.
1: I'm not sure I'd quite categorise it as a mistake. I'm not sure there's a huge amount of other options when you when Ash hasn't got a club, Tom Locke is injured James Lawrence has only just made the transfer, Chester I think is, is sort of ageing out of Giggs's thinking I don't think that's right but I think he's ageing out of Giggs's thinking so I'm not I'm not sure there are that g- a great number of other options really
0: uh, Perhaps not but I, I, I do think that he can there are options available to him in this instance, like James Chester doesn't <laughs> have to go to the Euros because he was in this squad but in the short term, he could serve a purpose, as could Ash in terms of getting him in the shop window. So I, I do see what you're saying. I think it's a, it's an interesting set of circumstances for sure. And I do think he's been a little bit inconsistent in terms of talking about, you know, I want to pick players who are in form. Gunter hasn't got a club, he's in. Ash hasn't got a club, he's out. Um Chester seems to be playing fairly regularly for Stoke. He's out. Vokes is playing regularly. He's out. So I, I do think there is some muddled thinking in terms of what is saying. But again, I, I do maintain that. I think we've got to give him a um, uh, a little bit of leeway on that, I suppose. Um, to kind of to move forward, the interesting one for me is if Ampadu is going to be playing uh, as a centre-back, which he was the last time round, that means mm-hmm. in the absence of uh, Joe Allen, there's a, a likely space alongside Joe Morel. Um Who do you see st- taking that space?
1: It's a it's a difficult one because I, I do think that's actually quite an area of concern because, as you say, Ampadu is likely to be pulled back into central D, at least in some combination of the games. Um, I can see Iggs going with... Probably all four of them in some combination. Actually, if you think of it as um, Morel and Vokes and Smith and Levitt, I mean, on occasion people have pulled Ramsey back into that more defensive midfield as well. I, I, I don't see the worth in that. I think you, you find a way with with those four players plus Ampadu. Um, I think um, I can see him starting with morell and Levitt the the way he did in the in the bulgaria
0: game i mean let's let's jump slightly ahead uh in that case let's let's look at the the england game because i'm intrigued to know how you think we will line up against england before we kind of do a full preview of the england game and i say that because i was chatting to my palos today um about who's going to start and and, and what And, and i do think there's a big part of the england game will be it's kind of to an extent being pre-arranged in my my kind of humble opinion as a, as a B international. Again, and I'll get into the, the why I think that further down the line, but I'd, I do think it'll be interesting how he sets up there because I do think that Hennessy won't start. I do think that Rambo might get pulled back into that kind of more central, maybe not holding, but at least deeper midfield role. Um, so I'm intrigued to know how you think we'll line up for that game.
1: I think there's a, there's a kind of how I'd like us to line up in the sense that I just want us to shrug our shoulders and put 11 out there and treat it as a proper friendly um, and not get caught up in the whole, oh my God, it's England kind of thing. Um, I think when you've got three games this close together and two of them are clearly far more important than the third, you should treat the third one appropriately. Which is basically almost as sort a of run out training session. The difficulty of the difficulty, of course, is that mentally it's difficult to do that in any scenario, and it's difficult to do that against England. Um, but I'd almost like to see us put out a B team, and I, I, I wonder whether that's kind of the arrangement that um, Giggs and Southgate have set up because Gig. In fairness, England don't really need this extra fixture. Either. You know, they're going into games against Belgium and Denmark. They've got other, they've got clearly other priorities as well. Um, they, like us, have to have this third fixture. Um, so, so they don't want a heavy, um, a heavy game either. It's obviously easier for them to put out a B team and it, to be far closer in quality to their A team. Than it is for us to do that, but I think we're getting closer to being able to do that. I agree. So with you. Oh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping we just put out a B team, or you know, some version of a B team, really, which would mean you know Davies in goal, perhaps starting with Hal rather than Kiefer Moore, um, having you know Johnny Williams doing that sub for Ramsey role. It, Maybe play Will Volks and Matt Smith as your defensive pair. Give Nico a whole game. Give Norrington Davies a, a a cap. You know, I, I just think there's there's opportunities to actually uh, just take it as a light game.
0: I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things I agree with you there. I, I, I think I would probably be playing Gunter on the uh, right back just because I think he... That's the reason that Giggs has included him is to is to is to fill the right back slot for that game, and it's interesting. Like you say about the England squad being um, kind of their B squad, obviously being full of quality. But I was kind of doing my uh, my relative research, and I was going through, and I was and I was kind of looking at the squad, and you actually think. Yes, they've got some headline players, you know, in 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 Kane and Sterling, uh, amongst others. Henderson, perhaps who I, I'm still, uh, I, I still is not on my uh, Christmas card list as either Mackham. but um, they definitely do have some kind of headline players. But then, if you look beyond that, like you look at their three goalkeepers, I maintain Dean Henderson is only in and around kind of. The media spotlight because he's English I think if he wasn't English no one would care right? I think he's a touch overrated I think Nick Pope can't use his feet as good as shot stopper he is uh, Jordan Pickford Proved this weekend. He's only got little arms. He he can't he can't catch crosses. He seems allergic <laughs> to them. Uh, God bless him. His little T Rex arms. I, I I think he's an excellent shot stopper. I think his decision making is poor. His his, his pressure under the under a cross is poor. I think his kicking, especially off the ground, is poor. Um, so I, I do think the England squad has got a lot more. Um, what's the word? I think they think they're better than they think that. Everyone thinks they're better than they actually are. I think, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, absolutely fantastic player. And their backup right back is Carl Walker. I mean, you can't argue with that. That's brilliant. But then, you know, centre-half, you know, Michael Keane. Beyond that, who has Connor Cody, I mean... I don't know. I, 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 I if we're going to play a B international, I, 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 don't think there's. I, I don't think we're a, a great deal. I don't think there's a great deal to be threatened about, in my opinion. Obviously, you know, they've got they've got some presence in certain parts of the pitch sheet, and Sancho is a is a fantastic talent potentially in the future. But I don't know. I, I think a B international would actually be really interesting, and I think it would really suit our. Um, our outlook if you like to play a B international because I think it would prove to a lot of our players and to a lot of other people that we actually have quite a deep squad and I think I, I would fancy us to give them a game if it was a B international I've got to be honest
1: oh I don't disagree with that um, I think as I was saying I think we're, we're nearing a point where the notion of a genuine B team is is realistic um, you know we, there's a there's a couple of injuries looming that would you know? Obviously, proportionately affect us more than uh, more than an equivalent might affect England. Um, but I think if if it has been arranged with that genuine scenario, then I agree with you. I think we've got the chance of. It's actually been quite an entertaining game. Well, yeah, that's um, what I was going to well, get to.
0: Actually, I, I do think it would be an entertaining game, and I mean, I think I mean we're not at predictions point yet, but um, thank God, I'm sure people will be relieved really <laughs> to know as they as their bet slips get ruined up and down the country. But um, I, I do think that we uh, the B the B game, so to speak, would be interesting because I, I think as I say, we have a deeper squad than people give us credit for. And I think that would be a big thing for Gigs to say as well. You know, you're, you're fighting for your place here and you've got an opportunity to, pr- opportunity mm. to prove yourself against England. And um, who, let's be honest, you know, I know we, we don't like them, but they are a very, very good outfit. Um, and I do think in the same way to us that our um, our eyes are probably on the two later games as theirs are. But, I mean, you certainly don't want to go out and get, you know, get pumped by someone because it does make the next two games that bit more difficult then.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the danger for us. I I mean, I think for us to put out a team over the three very congested, um, if they were three competitive games over such a congested window, that's a, that's a hard ask for us with the, with the, the relative strength of the squad. Um, so I just think we've got to be careful that we don't slide into approaching the England game like that. The danger, of course, is that if they, if they do and we don't, then we could get pummeled. Yeah. Um, but I would hope that Giggs and Southgate have had enough communication that, that that's not on the cards, because it doesn't serve either team well um if they go out and it just you know if they go out with their a team and we put out a b team then it just becomes a pre-season run around for them which doesn't achieve anything and it hurts us it hurts us um so that's to no one's benefit us putting out a strong team and them not really doesn't help either because we're going to pay for it later in the week so I mean, I think it's it's a game too far in so many levels. It's a game we don't need. But I think the one way we can make it work for us is if both sides basically treat it as a P international.
0: Yeah, and I'd be surprised if that if that isn't the case. Because, I mean, looking at England's games, I would make the argument as well that they probably would want to do better in the Nations League than they currently are. They're second in their group. Uh, they're behind Belgium, and Belgium is one of the two games that they have. That's their first kind of competitive game after us. And then they have the Denmark game, which they drew last time. So I would say they probably just want to get us out of the way in the nicest possible sense um, and kind of concentrate on the on the real games, as do we. I mean, I will say that I did a, a poll on Twitter about 400 or so people Got involved, and the outcome was seventeen percent would be would prefer to beat England, but lose the other two games. Whereas uh, the remainder eighty three percent would obviously be happy to see us lose to England, but win the the final two games. So thank you to everyone who got involved in that. I assume, uh, like me, Ruth, you would go along with the with the majority there, not the minority.
1: Yeah, I'm actually surprised the minority is that big. Oh yeah, to I be honest, that. I'm not. The not that seventeen is a huge percentage, but I'm I'm surprised seventeen percent of people went went that way. Actually, I was surprised because um, when you
0: think about that, that's four hundred and something people. That, mm-hmm. that that means there's still a, you know, we're, we're, st- we're still looking at about eighty or so people there of who who are, who are that big on that game, which I I did find really interesting. I got to say, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, no, that surprises me. Um, I mean, that's yeah, it does surprise me. I think. Clearly, the competitive games are much more important we're in such a good position in the nations League the possibility of getting promotion from that and having the next rounds of I mean and God knows when they'd happen but the next round of nations league's game the possibility of us playing in the in the upper tier um that's that's just good stuff I mean we're 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 I think we're past the point where a, a successful, Autumn campaign would make enough difference um, rankings-wise. The amount of, of ground we need to make up in the rankings table to get in the, in the top 10 for the World Cup seedings, is to, that's just not going to happen. Um, but, it, but momentum is important. And, and obviously, ultimately, hoping to get in the top tier of the Nations League is so much more important.
0: I mean, looking at the squad for those games, um, I, I think the the, the the lack of Gareth Bale is an interesting one. I think we'd both agree it's the correct decision that he stayed with his club rather than come for Wales. Um, I would, I'd be willing to make the argument that Gareth Bale not only is not the loss that he used to be, perhaps for Wales, but also that given his his form of late, Aaron Ramsey's return is is arguably the bigger story than than Gareth Bale's absence.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Can you imagine, uh, not so long ago, if we'd have had a squad that was missing Joe Allen and missing Gareth Bale and had an Aaron Ramsey that was only really just coming back into player form, we'd have been falling off the chair. It's just like, we, we haven't got a hope. We're not going anywhere. We can't do anything without that triad. We're just like, you know. Um, and here we are. And, and obviously, you'd rather have Joe Allen and, and Gareth Bale available. But it's not the panic that it would have been previously and I think that is testament to to, you know what you've been saying about the the strength in the squad and and clearly Gareth's not been at his best lately we're not we're not what he has been able to deliver of late is not a level that is so much better than what we can replace him with right at the minute Um,
0: yeah I mean I think it's, he's obviously a loss, there's no argument there. So same with Joe Allen not being back still, but I think when you look at the options we have got with, b- between Brooks, uh, James Wilson is still an exceptionally talented player, in my opinion. Um, we've got people like Johnny Williams who can play in that forward line as well. Um, I think we do have real kind of talent there, and I think that his lack of form for Wales, relatively speaking, recently is, means that it's not a, a, as big a miss, perhaps, as it, as it has been. Uh, or could have been. Um, it's worth noting, I don't know if you've seen this actually first thing in the morning, Ruth, that um, Aaron Ramsey may not make the England game uh, due to some coronavirus concerns amongst the Juventus squad. There's also talk of uh, of Cristiano Ronaldo not meeting up with Portugal as well, for example. So a bit of uncertainty there. Um, so if we're recording this on Sunday, so if that might be changed again by the time this goes out on Monday. Um, but I'm still so maintaining... So what is that?
1: Just a a delay while people are
0: tested or or what? I think from what I can gather, someone has tested positive in the Juventus bubble. uh, And as a consequence of that, they have to test everyone else. So Mm -hmm. as a consequence of that, they're not being able to kind of guarantee that Ramsey will be able to be released in time for the England game. I, I think from what I understand everyone's still confident he'll be there for the Nations League games. But right. if he then tests positive for coronavirus, then obviously that that obviously changes. But I, I, I do think that's kind yeah. of worth ringing, ringing that particular alarm bell, depending on the circumstance.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So hopefully it's just a time delay issue while they go through procedures. Okay. Okay. Well, that's concerning.
0: Yeah, it is. But yeah. I, I, equally, I mean... If if he's replaced by Wilson or or Johnny Williams again, I mean, like you said, imagine those three missing from a squad. You know, three or four years ago, it'd be tears before bedtime. Whereas now, you know, it's a shame. Don't get me wrong, but we're not exactly on the bones of our ass of our as as, as we have been. And I think that that is again testament to the depth of squad we have. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 two selections I was surprised at before we go a bit more in depth on the actual games themselves. I was super surprised that Ben Woodburn got his way into the squad and I was equally surprised that Brennan Johnson's in there as well. Um, obviously the 21s have games um, so on the basis that they are likely in my opinion to to not see any game time. I was I was quite surprised by the inclusion of those so I got to say.
1: I agree. I think particularly when the, the 21s have got that nasty away game with Belgium coming up on Friday. Um and they've, they've, they've had to call up, a, I, mean, I don't know, four or five players from the under-19s just to have enough buddies in the under-21s. Um, so it makes it particularly stark, I think, that you'd, you'd have those two up with the main squad. Obviously, you want more than a standard 23-24 man squad for, for for these three tight games. Um and the the two of them must must have made an impression when they were called up late in the last window because they were the same two that were pulled up last time. So, I th- I think it's just another example of the of the conveyor belt, and I think it's going to be how it is. I think there seems to be an acceptance that the age groups are going to be sacrificed upwards um, in the in the sense that you know the the twenty ones have got this important qualifying game, but it's it's clearly not a priority in itself it's it's a it's a brick in a much bigger wall and and it's you know there seems to be an acceptance that that brick might wobble to strengthen somewhere else
0: i'm kind of intrigued i'm not sure I, it's right yeah i was going to say because i i do think a lot of our current success has come from getting people yes into the senior squad uh, relatively early, but also that that unity that we had in that twenty one squad, that a lot of them graduated to the first team at the same time, I think had a real effect. And I, I do wonder on the of the, you know, what impact that is having if we are a bit first team centric, which is uh, it's probably a bit of a harsh thing to say. But um, I would also question using your gigs the schema logic if the, these two lads might start the 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 England game just because it'd be interesting for Woodburn to get a move. I understand he was offered to Sparta Rotterdam. That deal seemed most of the way done, but then I don't know why, but that kind of fell apart. Uh, Obviously, Johnson has gone on loan himself. So I do wonder if there might be an element of that to kind of give them game time. I I mean, I don't know. We are kind of ifs, buts and maybes, but um, let's look at that that first game, uh, the England game. I'll ask you first of all, uh, in fact I'll, I'm going to go first because I think you're going to argue with me so I, I'll go first um, I think Adam Davis will and should start in goal and to be clear this is what we think will happen rather than necessarily what we would do but um, I think Gunter will start at right back I think Cabango and Meppen will start at centre half with Norrington Davis at, at left back and uh, I'm going to say that Smith and Ramsey, again, this is coronavirus uh, permitting, will start in that kind of midfield area with Brooks, Wilson and James uh, supporting Hal. That would be my, my start in 11. And what about you?
1: Um, the, it's the back four. I'm having most difficulty pinning down. So I would, I would agree. I would start with Adam Davies. Um, I might put um, Gunter on the left, actually, and have Nico on the right. Um, and then Cabango and, and that's I'm not quite sure about, about who to put with him. Um, prob- probably Mepham, although I might consider putting Ampadu in as the other centre-half in that combination. Um, then I went Vokes and Smith, actually, as my, Starting defensive midfield, um, Johnny Williams, Harry Wilson, Rabbi Matondo as the um, as the attacking midfield, and then Hal Hal up front. So I think it's the it's at the back that we've got a little bit more variance in our teams there, Dai.
0: I think it's interesting that Matondo looks like there's going to be a move. He was dropped from the uh, Schalke squad mm-hmm. on the weekend uh, amidst interest from other Bundesliga clubs, although that hasn't come to anything yet. I wonder if he may end up actually dropping out of at least the the first game to kind of get something sorted there. I, we, we're not sure on that, of course, yet. But um, I think ultimately what we're both saying there, I mean, we could kind of nitpick about this and that and the other. and I And I agree with you about Volk's. I I would have no issue with him starting there. Um, I I think that's possibly on the cards. But I think the point we're we're both getting at here is that this is very much going to be experimental. This may be a bit harsh, but certainly a a, a second choice 11, for want of a better phrase.
1: Yeah, I don't think it should be experimental in a formation sense, Mm. but I think it should be experimental in a personnel sense.
0: No, I would, agree. I, I would agree with you entirely there. I think that I wouldn't have gone Nico right back because I think he may end up starting one of the other two games. I think Nico will start one and I think Roberts will start the other. Um, to stick with the England game, assuming that we think there's going to be a, uh, a, a B international vibe about the whole situation, um, let's get stuck into our least favourite thing and talk about predictions. Um, how do you think we will get on?
1: I've gone for a 2-1 defeat for us, um, because I just think ultimately that's just a a sort of, uh, it's almost a step just a little bit too far for us quite right now to go on this entirely B-road route. Um, And I think that... We're going to probably just make some errors somewhere in there. Some unfamiliarities, some people playing out of position. I, I can just seeing it not being terribly tidy. Um, so I've gone for a 2-1 to England.
0: I think that's probably a rational choice, which is why, needless to say, I disagree with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do you know, I've been looking at it in all seriousness. I watched, um, obviously football in in the Netherlands is it's not easy to come by unless it's Dutch um so I did manage to watch the England game against Iceland and a bit of the Denmark game was on as well so I did watch that and they didn't have their full strength team out Southgate is experimenting with a new formation I don't think it'll be the first team squad that played and they look incredibly disjointed um mm-hmm. And I think the only real threat came from Sterling and Kane, who I, again, don't think will necessarily start the game against us. Um, and I think it will be a typical friendly in the sense there will not really many chances. It will be disjointed and a bit messy. I think it's going to be a nil-nil draw. And the only thing that will change that is if someone makes an individual mistake, in my opinion. I think um, it's going to be a, a drab, goalless draw. And I'm actually, I'm absolutely fine with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would, se- I would definitely I would, sell
0: would that. Sell to, that. <laughs> um, to move on, then to the, uh, the 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 games that that matter, so to speak. Um, I think I'm really intrigued to to see how we set up at the back here because I do think this might be a bit of an insight into how we kind of approach future games because, you know, I, I know Ireland have got their. Um, their their playoff game for the Euros, so it is going to be interesting. Kind of, if they've won that game, they're going to be on a high, and I think that may change the game against us. And equally, if they lose it, I think we could kind of put a could put a put a uh, put a fair few past them. Uh, that is not easy to say when you've had a few beers. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to know that, and I know you've done a bit of looking into uh, into the island game.
1: Yeah, obviously um, they are playing Slovakia in um, the Euros playoff game uh, on the 8th. So, we're we're playing England. Um, So, clearly, their priorities over the three games are um, very different from our priorities over the three games. So, they're away in Slovakia in in that game. Um, As you know, without Dubravka, Slovakia might be a slightly more... uh, Slightly easier opponent than they may have been, yeah. and obviously there's a great car- there's a great carrot for the for the Irish because then they would get a home game in the playoff final, final yeah. um, if they if if they can get past um, Slovakia. So obviously their first, all of their eyes are on the game for the eighth. And uh, new manager Steve Steve Kenny has said as much. Um, so I think obviously as you said they're going to be in quite a different mental place, come our game, depending on what happens on the eighth for them. Um, There are really interesting similarities between where they're at as a squad uh, and where we're at as a squad. Um, They are clearly transitioning to a much younger team, Um, virtually all of their players are coming out of the Premiership and the Championship, just as is the case for us. You know, Shane Duffy up at Celtic and um, a a player from Shamrock Rovers, Burn, I think, but I might have that wrong, are the only, you know, the only players that fall outside of that. Uh, But what I was struck by was, like us, they've got a few players with very significant number of caps, you know, the James McLean, um, Shane Long players of the world. But they've also got a huge number with very few caps. So again, very like us, seventeen of their players in the current squad have got twenty caps or less, and actually that mirrors our situation um, very, uh, very similarly. They tend to play a four-three-three, or at least under under Steve Kenny for the for these first few game, couple of games, only two games, they've played four-three-three. Um, he's called up a new front three um, led by Ida from Norwich um, and then supported by Connolly and O'Dowder. He played those those three at the front in both games um, in the first international window. Um, the game, um, the first game, it uh, very like ours, in fact, in both games, they look They had that kind of slightly pre-season feel yeah, that was I the that. same in same. The same in our two games, um, everybody just looked a bit lethargic. Um, but in fairness, Ireland probably had the better play. Certainly in the first half, away to Bulgaria, they had the better of the play, um, and then. Went behind. I do think they have a weakness, and this is one of the things I think we might be able to exploit, is um, Duffy and Egan seem to be a little bit out of step with each other as centre-backs, and we're creating a little bit of space between them, pulling a little bit wider than you might want. And um, the Bulgarians scored with a, a ball that was threaded through in that gap. It's the sort of ball you can picture Aaron Ramsey running on to. <laughs> and the Finns should have scored in a very similar way in their game against the Irish, but didn't. Um, and I think that's something we'll, wa- we'll want to look at, how, how we can use that, whether it's more holding up and Ramsey running on, or it's Ramsey threading that ball through to Hal, or you know some combination of that. But I think I think there's something there we can we can look at and work on. Um, they do look a bit vulnerable to pace on the wings. So I think you know the fact that you have Dan James, for example, running at them. Um, I, I do think there's something we can make we can make of it. There, they they look like we did about a year ago. If that makes sense. You know, they're a new, young side, and they're just still finding their way with a obviously very new manager. Um, he's got the advantage that he's seen a lot of them in the under 21s so he knows what he's dealing with, and they've they've obviously got a good relationship as a as a unit. Um, he's changed the central midfield completely for the finish game. So, for the Bulgaria game, um, that sort of holding pair were McCarthy, Harahan and Hendrick, And then in the finish game, he swapped them out completely for Malolby, Arter, Harry Arter and Brady. And it probably didn't go terribly well. So I think for the Slovakian game, he might well go back to the McCarthy, Harahan, Hendrick combination.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that. I think that the changing of a midfield three is quite a bold decision and I saw a bit of the, the the Finland game it was it was on in the pub and uh, they, they really didn't play well and I think the one thing that I will say is that that change of midfield seemed to kind of open them up a bit more uh, they seemed and I think he tried to be a bit more expansive like someone like Harry Arter is definitely the sort of person who kind of wants to get forward and I think that solidity um, which I think we have seen from the Republic of Ireland of late was lost as a consequence. Um, and I think from what I saw the Bulgaria game, that kind of attacking drive wasn't there. So I think that's why he tried to rectify that. I think it's worth pointing out that Seamus Coleman looks like he's not going to play. Um, we're not sure about Harry Arter. I think he's, uh, he's having a scan apparently. So um, mm. that, that might still change. But it's interesting um, the way they played because the big key for me was that solidity that they seemed famed for definitely seems to have been diminished uh, uh, in the last few games
1: yeah it was interesting because I thought away in Bulgaria they looked like the away team Mm -hmm. and then back in Dublin it's it's like they'd had this mental shift oh we've got to go on the front foot you know we're playing at home we've got to be more expansive and it doesn't quite suit them or at least it doesn't suit them yet (laughs) they might develop but it doesn't suit them yet and they're having trouble keeping a clean sheet. You know, they have—they've only kept one clean sheet in the last eight games, oh, which—which wow. which is very un Republic of Ireland. So I think that solidity clearly is something they've got—they've got to address. Uh, so I can see them going back to um, the combination that played Bulgaria, which was McCarthy, Harahan and Hendrick for the Slovakia game, and there may maybe. They do change it up when we play them in Dublin. Perhaps it is, we're at home, we've got to go for this a bit more. But ultimately, as far as the Nations League is concerned, I think their goal is going to be to just score a little bit more than Bulgaria. Yeah,
0: not get relegated,
1: So they they don't get relegated, basically. So um, that's that's what they're hunting.
0: Yeah, I think the big thing for me is from that, I think a lot of it depends on the Slovakia game for me. I think if they lose that... Then I think they'll be kind of fired up, and I think realised they need to do something in 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 in, in terms of the champ, uh, Champions League, Nations League to kind of get themselves back in contention. Equally, I think if they win that, I think there's a chance that they may think, do you know what, we're quite happy with this. We couldn't give a shit for now, and and we'll kind of crack on because they're not at full strength. Um, and I think how they play against us will kind of depend on how they play against Slovakia. Um. Dare I ask for the dreaded prediction?
1: I think we're going to win one nil. I don't think it's going to be a terribly attractive game, but I think we can score on them. They, as I was saying, they they're having trouble keeping a keeping a clean sheet.
0: I would agree. I think the only difficulty is that it's away from home. Um, I would. one nil was my prediction as well, which is unfortunate. But. Um, I, I think we'll line up for this game the same as we do for the Bulgaria game with a f- maybe a few tweaks here and there I think we'll be back to kind of full strength um, I think for me that's going to be waning goal, I think Nico will start at right back for one game and I think Connor Roberts will start at right back for the other game whether that's Ireland or Bulgaria I think kind of depends um, I think Rodden and Mepham are probably our first choice centre-half so I think they'll start uh, with Ben Davis at left back and and Ampadu and Morel. Hopefully Morel recovers from what's uh, been a little niggle that's kept him out of the the Bristol City squad. So hopefully he'll be back for that. And then for me, again, coronavirus permitting, it'll be Brooks, Ramsey, James, and obviously Big Kiefer up front. And I, I, uh, I hate to put words in your mouth, Ruth, but I would imagine you probably wouldn't disagree with me too much there.
1: I went with Connor Roberts specifically, but otherwise exactly the same. Look at this,
0: look at us agreeing with each other. (laughs) (laughs) The world really is on fire, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, (laughs) I think for me, looking ahead to the Bulgaria game, the the kind of big news for them, so to speak, is that uh, Kirill Despodov, I think I've said that right, who has previously been the Bulgarian Player of the Year, is back in the squad for them. Uh, He's only played 12 times, but he's kind of a, a tricky winger, a forward, and I think they've probably looked at the way that they've performed in the last two games and have been dry, for want of a better word, up front uh, and in attack. So I do think he will come in and they'll try and make make an impact uh, in that sense with, with with him playing out wide. Um, I think the thing for me with Bulgaria, and uh, I don't know how youth feel, is I wonder if we'll kind of look to attack that game a little bit more. Because first half against them last time out, I, I thought we looked very... Weary is perhaps is perhaps the wrong word, but I, I feel like that's the that's the best way the kind of performance looked.
1: Yeah, I mean we were we were snoozing our way through that first half in in particular at the CCS, weren't we? Um, it's the most kind of heavy legged I think I've seen us play in quite a while actually. Um, so I think we would definitely have more more momentum. In, in the Bulgaria game um, than we saw in the home game, I would imagine because it's everybody's just in a better position to play football right now. They're a month they're a month into the season proper. Um, I do obviously we are capable of beating that team based on what we what we we saw in Cardiff, but they're very organised and they're very hard to break down the Irish found that despite having probably as I was saying the better of the play they didn't really take the take the opportunities and the, and the Bulgarians well we saw it in Cardiff as well you know the number of fouls and pre-kicks that were given away they they know how to disrupt a, a game and they know how to disrupt play um, so I can see it being quite a uh, yucky heavy antagonistic sort of game not not a nice football game by any means it's kind of you know it's what the what they're
0: renowned for i feel um, like i feel like the word yucky is definitely the reason that people have uh, subscribed to this podcast <laughs> it's the sort of top quality football analysis you don't you don't you don't get on the <laughs> times exactly or the telegraph what, podcast
1: yeah i really
0: is that people know exactly what i mean <laughs> as well <laughs> um i will pull you up on one thing there uh, other than your use of the word yucky um <laughs> which is i i don't think they are actually that stubborn and i think what The thing was, is that I think we allowed them to be stubborn Um, and -hmm. I think Ireland did as well. And I think if we were to press them higher up the field with a kind of a bit more of an energetic performance, I think we would, that would really yield results for us because I think when we did press them higher in the second half where we were, we looked a different team. I think all of a sudden they looked very fragile. And I think you're right, we didn't create loads. Uh, and that is obviously, you know, their defensive resilience has to take some credit for that. But I, I do think that if, if we if we do press them early doors and get an early goal, and admittedly, I did say this last time, but um, I, I, if we got an early goal there, I do think we could, we could put two or three on them because I do think that they are an inexperienced team. They're going through uh, a period of development, I guess you'd say. Um, And I think that if we can kind of take advantage of that early doors, um, that will work. Because the longer they have time to grow into the game, I do think they become stronger. So I I would kind of pull you up a little bit perhaps on that.
1: I see what you mean. I think I was thinking that as soon as we start to run at them and press them and up the tempo of the game, they just come in with more fouls, more... Uh, elbows more uh, ragged play what well, more play to to make our play more ragged um, so I think we're, we're obviously a better team than them Die there's not a question of that and we should we should we should be able to we should be able to win um, a game there I just wonder whether I think in some respects, I'm, I think more it depends what's been happening earlier in the, in the three games as to what I think the outcome is going to be by the time we get to Sofia. If we've ended up playing a serious game against England, a really heavy, dogged, kind of typical British Isles type game against the Irish, and then there's that long flight to Sofia, we've got three away games, I just wonder whether we're just going to reach a point where it's just like, oh, really, and we're not going to have that tempo that we need to overcome the kind of doggedness that the Bulgarians have.
0: I think that's there's a, there's a lot of truth in that, and the, the, the three away games I think is a is a very valid point. Um, I would also argue that Bulgaria will have probably. Uh, spent their spent their chips if you like in the first game Mm -hmm. energy wise so by the time they get to us they'll be in an equally kind of drained situation i also think that looking at it if we're kind of brutally honest they will probably look at this and this set of fixtures in a different way to us i think realistically the qualifier for the euros is everything to them i mean looking Mm -hmm. at our group yes they're bottom of the group only by a couple of points because you know we're only two games in, but it's only a six-game group either. They're probably looking at that thinking, look, are we going to win this group, get to the top of the, of the Euros, of, of the World Cup kind of playoff queue? Probably not. Whereas for, for us, that third game really matters. And I think if we can look at that as if, you know, we, we take six points from this, we are all but home and hosed really um for that for that world cup playoff spot I, I don't know if if maybe we get to that point and they just think oh so, you know we've won our euros qualifier we sort of i don't want to say can't be asked because they're professional sportsmen but um but sort of you know it doesn't matter so much to them so i do think the early goal would 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 change things if we can get it of course i i, I appreciate what you're saying that the tiredness would uh, would certainly have an impact on everyone
1: yeah agreed um Yes, like Ireland, their their gaze is is elsewhere. Their gaze is the first the first game, um, and and clearly the psychology of what happens in that game is it's going to have an impact in the remainder of the remainder of the week, and that can swing either way. You know, you can you can win the game and qualify and shrug your shoulders about the rest and be and um, be concentrating on November's game. Or you can win it and have momentum and, you know, want to be determined and be playing for your place and all that sort of thing. So, you know, it can go either way as well.
0: No, that is true. And I, I think a lot of it does rest for Bulgaria and Ireland on what their what the result is first time round for them. I think after that, that does kind of change the perspective for everyone, uh, for those two teams. Um, so far, you've gone 2-1 defeat, a 1-0 victory. For those of us who like losing money, how are you? <laughs> How are you predicting the last one?
1: I'm actually going to go for a 1-1 draw just because I think there's so many variables in this. The wear and tear on us, the wear and tear on them, their psychology after their playoff game, the three away games for us. And I feel like we've been riding a little bit of a bubble recently. This run of results, you feel it's got to, you know, there's going to be a break put on them at some point. And I just wonder whether this is is the game um, so I've actually gone for a 1-1 one,
0: one draw I think the bubble will burst in in all reality if I'm uh, hand on heart against England and then uh, from there we'll be able to focus on this, for me I think we'll do what we did at home I think we'll win 1-0 maybe 2-0 I think as you said a lot of it depends on the other games, there's a lot of variables and I think those other games will ultimately decide this one but the only thing that makes me agree with you, as much as, it, as much as it pains me to say it, is that I think three kind of highly charged games in three days—I wonder if it, in three days, in a short space of time—will be this might be a game too far to an extent, and everyone'll just be bloody knackered after travelling around. And my alternative, were I to were I a betting man, would be to put this down as a nil-nil, where kind of mm-hmm. two tired teams cancel each other out to an extent. But with that said, I do think we are more than good enough to win the game. Uh, and and I do think I do think we are better than them uh, across the field. And I do think our Ramsey will make a big difference in how we play um in this game. So it will be an interesting one. Um and it'll be interesting to see how the players react, especially now a lot of people have had some some football to to kind of get used to being back um, competitively again in their leagues uh, ahead of an international game. So, yeah. Um, is there is there anything else you want to add, Ruth, as we are almost almost perfectly at an hour here?
1: Um, I just want to say well done to Wrexham for starting the season and starting the season with a win. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it
1: is all happening up in North East Wales.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you saw, Ruth, but uh, on Twitter and on Instagram, uh, instagram that the kids watch these days as i understand it <laughs> uh ryan reynolds posted a picture of himself watching the game like a like a, of a stream on instagram and maca Maca-Lelly? maca Macan yeah Mac- i've got to see, I see every time i see this all i can see is claude Macaleli in my head and i know that he is not buying <laughs> rexum although he could be a third silent partner who knows um <laughs> such <laughs> is the bizarreness of the situation yeah he was there was a, a picture of him filming uh I don't know some film or other with uh, with his laptop up watching the uh, watching the Rectum games. I, I don't know if you saw that, but I did think of you when I saw that.
1: <laughs> that's great to hear. That's great to hear. And switching tactics. I'm glad to hear that the the women's games are coming up are going to be at Rodney Parade. Um, I think that's a that's a, a nice comfort in, comfortable environment for the girls. I know that the practicalities of holding them at at the CCS would would have been tempting, Um, but I'm glad, I'm glad they're they're going for for Rodney parade for that.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. I do have one thing to add uh, on the women's, uh, the game situation. I was absolutely staggered by the amount of people and dickheads, uh, apologies, Ruth, for that, but who, who, the comments that went around after the Cardiff Swansea game uh, last weekend. Um, and I don't, I've just seen a lot of them recently. Like I, I don't want to repeat things that people have said, but really disrespectful stuff about women's football and, and women who comment on football is the, is the most upsetting one for me is, is absolutely staggering. And the thing I, the thing I don't understand is if you don't like women's football, that's fine. Like we, we, we don't want you. <laughs> we don't care. We don't need you to be here. What we don't need is people being dicks about it and and saying like unbelievably irrelevant things. You just, like, I watched Football Focus for the first time in a long time this weekend and Mark Laurenton was on there looking like he'd just been, I don't know, like someone had strategically dressed him and put him in a chair and he was sat alongside Alex Scott, who was just said some like really insightful, sensible, intelligent comments. And he was just sat there taking the piss out of Dan Walker. And, you know, and yet people are kind of criticizing women in sport and women's football. And it just kind of blows my mind really. And I just, I really wanted to say this, that if, if you're if you don't like women's football, just just leave. Like no one cares. No one cares about your opinion. It, it, it really really frustrates me. Women's football for me, and, I, and I'm sure Ruth would agree with me, is great to watch. It's exciting. It's I, I find it a lot more genuine in a lot of respects than men's football. Um, and it's it's just a pleasure to watch. You know the the, the cliches of, of of women's football. You know that they can't pass, they can't shoot, and like it's absolute nonsense. Uh, And I think that that was typified by the one thing I kind of wanted to add was uh, Helen Ward uh, said that the Watford women's team this year are doing um, uh, an initiative where they're changing their regular squad numbers to talk about um, political injustice. And the number on their back of their shirt is linked to the political injustice that they're kind of highlighting this year. And and she's changed hers to 68 in regards to John Carlos winning the um, the, the the gold medal at the Olympics because yeah. because of the person who won silver exactly and uh, yeah. and it was you know that's really interesting that's really insightful and you know it just goes to show the impact that women's football is capable of having and, and kind of should have and uh, I'm ranting now a little I apologize <laughs> it's uh, it's it, I I I think that women's football deserves a lot more support than it's getting because. It is absolutely fantastic. The initiatives that are going on through um, uh, anti-racism stuff, homophobia stuff, I think it's just a fantastic environment. And, uh, and that is the end of my tantrum. Thank you.
1: I think I wanted to bring something up because I think it's illustrative. Um, illustrative of what women have to put up with. And I think it's also illustrative of what minorities have to put up with over the last couple of weeks we've had two instances where players on social media were slated for one-off errors that they made in games Nico Williams was abused on Twitter because of something that happened in a Liverpool game and Catherine Walsh was abused because of something that happened in that Cardiff Swansea game now, criticising a moment of play is one thing. We you know, we, we do it as as for. people that talk about football. But I'd like to think we do it as a you know as a moment of play. What I found what I think is illustrative is how at no point even in all the abuse s- that was going on with Nika Williams at no point does anybody use that as a mechanism to say and hence men shouldn't be playing football yet Catherine Your Walsh makes a
0: for what it's worth either no, no one says oh, he's <laughs> yeah, got no, shit hair. I
1: was com- I was coming I was coming to that sorry um yeah, Catherine Walsh makes an, uh, an error and it's and this is indicative of why women shouldn't be involved in football i mean how do you get from that A to that B. And I think that's, as, as someone who loves the game, and it's the game you love, it doesn't matter who the 11 people are running around on the field. You might have favorites, but it's the game you love. And so it, it shouldn't matter if it's the five-year-olds on the school field or it's the Gareth Bales of, of the world. You either love the game or you don't, and you get behind people because they're doing their damn best to play the game. Um, and I think what you were saying about the abuse Alex Scott takes, for example, who at the minute is one of the most on-it commentators yeah, I agree. you can find. She, she's just nailing her analysis. And to then go from that to think that women shouldn't be involved in football is it 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 just shows how big the hill is that we still have to climb and that's just one scenario one group in one scenario it's women in football and there are so many communities that are facing this every day it's that's their norm you know you think of all the communities that are pushing water uphill right now and i think those of us that try and be open-minded and inclusive we've just got to keep speaking up we've just got to keep saying it we've just got to keep banging the drum and we've just got to keep moving the world forward
0: i couldn't agree more and you know i for the sake of sounding like a broken record here, I think when you look at what our women's team are doing for for a lot of these initiatives, I think it just makes me proud of them. And, and, and for, for women's football and for um, homophobia and for, for race and just so many different things, so many of our players are, are pushing boundaries in so many areas. Jess Fishlock is really using her profile incredibly well. And I think her amongst others deserve huge credit for kind of keep fighting that fight. And I'll I'll add to that because I wasn't going to say this, but now you mentioned the Nico Williams thing, it's riled me up. But every time we say on Twitter, oh, I can't wait for this game for the women or uh, what a great video or um, I love this player, she's fantastic. Every, Every time pretty much. We will get someone who replies saying, oh, "Stop pretending you care about the women's game," and it's just like I just don't get it. And the the, the one thing I mentioned the Nico Williams is because he got dogs abuse. And if you if you're complaining because your team won seven two and you're you're digging your players out that bad, you know it, it's a disgrace. The one thing that comes out about it every time is people say, "Oh, they're not they're not a real Liverpool fan," or oh they're not a real football fan." They are because. Ruth and I and whoever else interact with them regularly. The, these people are football fans. They message us on Twitter and, you know, they, they comment on our posts and, and they say all the things. They are. They are real Liverpool fans or, or women's football fans, whatever. They're just social media isn't the problem. It is people's attitude. It's so easy to say this is social media. You know, people have access to their players and, and, and it's true they do, but... The problem is still the human being at the other end of the phone or a laptop or whatever, not not the platform that they use to get in touch with people. And I think that's so important that we recognise that. It's such an easy out to say, "Oh, these aren't real football fans." They are, um, and I think it's so frustrating and just to just to kind of go full circle. I, I think that again, that the the women's team, especially, I think, are so great at this and the um the effort and and passion and drive they put into equality and, and furthering so many different, uh, fights I think is, is, is really important to me. And, and I'm sure, and I'm sure Ruth feels the same. Um, and I, th- I can see her nodding away <laughs> on the other side, but I'm rambling here, but, uh, I think that's so important. And I think that, that really does deserve a mention. So, uh, I'm going to stop because I am, uh, uh, going to have a little tantrum any, any, any moment now, but I just wanted to say, thank you very much for listening. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, god we said we were going to do an hour an hour and 10 minutes and i'm just warming up
1: um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay well there you go we, gents. we have uh, <laughs> we've put the world to rights we've told you all the results we've predicted all the results and the lineups and everything else so straight uh head straight to uh bet 365 or your chosen betting site to uh to lose your money <laughs> Uh, thank you very much for listening we will be doing a pod after the three games uh, rather than after each individual run Ruth has got a fantastic blog out at the minute the gigs the schema blog which is on the Welsh football fans website so please go and have a look at that I will be doing a blog that will go out on Sunday I have no idea what it's going to be about yet but I'm sure it'll be a cracker so please read that Uh, thank you very much for listening ladies and gentlemen enjoy your week and come on Wales goodbye
1: bye bye